I'm Kim Singletary. And I'm Rich Collins with Biz New Orleans Magazine. Welcome to Biz Talks. Each week, we reach beyond the pages of Biz New Orleans Magazine to bring you in-depth conversations with members of the business community. From the names everyone knows to the ones destined to make their mark, we'll dive into the top issues, best practices, successes, and failures of every industry that calls Southeast Louisiana home. Welcome to this week's episode of Biz Talks. I'm Kim Singletary, Managing Editor of Biz New Orleans Magazine, and today we're talking live events. Concerts, festivals, fundraisers, they are the lifeblood of the city. They're why we live here. They're how we mark the passage of time and definitely a COVID casualty that we have all felt very deeply and we're not alone. The live music industry nationwide has taken a huge hit over the past year. Unsurprisingly, revenues have dropped 75%, representing a loss of about $9 billion. But now, as we get to look toward the return of fun, the question is, how will event organizers tackle the challenge of making sure events are safer and more convenient in this new era? I'll give you a hint. If you attended this year's modified version of Celebration in the Oaks, the driving tour, like I did, you got an idea. This year's event required taking 45,480 individual time-based reservations within multiple price points while keeping track of the traffic flow and the capacity at City Park. And then as a bonus, participants had their experience personalized with names popping up on the naughty or nice list from their group. And the tech that made it all happen took only 10 days to customize. And that is the result of New Orleans local tech company Wristband, which is aiming to revolutionize the event industry with the launch of their new offering called Passport. And with me to tell us all about it is CEO Conway Solomon. Conway, we're so excited to talk to you today. Thank you, Kim. You too. It's great to be here. So let's start with your company. Um, it was originally part of another well-known New Orleans company, right? Yeah, so... My brother actually was the founder of Solomon Group, which about a decade, a decade ago was founded here in New Orleans. And Solomon Group is a provider for all types of event production, um, everything from staging, lighting, gear, uh, full management for those types of events. So they've done stuff like with the Superdome, like what are some of the things people would know? They're, one of their most famous projects I think is the Superdome, um, the lights that go all the way around whenever they're lit up to be any color or you see them doing some cool pattern. That was one of their original most memorable projects, but since then they've moved into everything you can kind of imagine from the National World War, World War II Museum to Super Bowl projects, um, really everything across the board. Oh, wow. Okay. And so in not that long ago, 2019, um, you guys broke out to create wristband. That's right. So when we were working, when I was working at Solomon Group, um, we were dealing with projects and festivals and all types of problems day in, day out. And our first project and our largest one at the time was Essence Festival. I think another project everybody in New Orleans is pretty familiar with. So Essence Festival was had hired Solomon Group to handle and run all of the management and the event production and you know, all types of things that go on behind the scenes. And so 
that was a project that we took on. And so I think like anything else, we started looking for technology to help us manage and run that type of event. And we just kept coming up short. We couldn't find anything that was already built. So we used a couple of solutions that, you know, gave us some flexibility, but not quite enough, but it got us through for a little while. And after some period of time, um, we really found a new platform, which I'm sure we'll talk about today called Mindex. But um, we started building what was our first real new technology platform for Essence Festival specifically. And from there, it really grew out. One customer at needed it, then another needed it. And so what started as a project that was really just intended for us doing a better job to run and manage events at Solomon Group turned into a product and an offering of its own. And that was when things got really interesting. So fast forward to, to 2019, like you alluded to, what really happened was we had grown the software and hardware and the whole technology division so immensely inside of Solomon Group that it made sense to, to split the two apart. So we're still very closely related, obviously. Um, we work together with them on a number of different events, but it's really exciting because what that's allowed us to do at Wristband is really to expand and grow our own team and our own products and have, you know, all the branding and the marketing and, and all of that comes with it because it was really confusing to be to be honest with you before. Um, I think Solomon Group did so much other stuff that the yeah. software and technology was kind of like, wait, how do you do all of this? So it was really an acknowledgement of how, how well we had been able to grow and start that division of the business. So when you're talking about um, the technology that you needed, what kind of problems were you solving? Like something like with Essence Fest, what kind of, what were you looking for? <laughs> well, I've now learned more problems that events face than I ever could have imagined. But at the time, I'll give you a really straightforward one, which is the topic of uh, what we call credentials. So every person that works at Essence Festival, at, works at Essence Festival, um, you know, we obviously think of the consumer or the fan who's paying money to be there. But at the same time, especially for an event of that size, there are literally tens of thousands of people that are involved that are making the event happen behind the scenes. And Essence Festival, you know, again, as you know, New Orleans is just such a massive event. It takes over the Superdome and the entire convention center, as well as at least, you know, a handful of other locations throughout the city for the whole course of July 4th weekend, oh, yeah. usually starting on Thursday. And so um, credentials, there are 40 to 50,000 credentials that we have to process and manage and approve all throughout Essence Fest. And within that, it's everything from a delivery driver who's dropping off something, you know, before the show even starts to the most senior executive from their ownership or their leadership team that we have to make sure you know can get everywhere and then of course there's everything that comes in between and so um, credentials was a whole entire topic that you know you might think about the actual process of printing it and whatnot but there's an there's a more complicated what we call it a, a matrix behind the scenes of every credential type and 
who can get it and how do we know who they are? And so we had to design and build an entire end-to-end -end solution for requesting credentials, approving credentials, fulfilling, printing, distributing, managing. Um, one gets stolen or gets lost. How do we deactivate that one, give that person a new one and find that for fraud purposes, make sure it can't be used elsewhere. So there was just so many moving parts just in, in a topic that on the surface sounds so simple that we had to build custom software to really properly manage. So I'm assuming you guys looked, I mean, obviously outside of the region because, you know, we have events all over the country, all over the world. And so nobody had anything that could help you do that. It's amazing. You know, it's not that there's nothing out there. And we actually work with a couple of companies still today that, that have those type of services in different capacities that they do a, a good job at, but for the size of event that we were at, the, the truth is, is just nothing was up to the standards that we needed. They, everything that we could find had bits and pieces. And maybe, you know, one system had this and one system had that. And, but there was, it was so disparate and disjointed what it was creating that it, it really wasn't a viable solution at the end of the day. It was so many, what we call, you know, workarounds or band-aids that we knew that there, you know, had to be a better way. So, I mean, obviously not too long after your official founding, everything got kind of shut down event-wise, but what other events, you mentioned Essence, but what other events have you guys worked on? So here in New Orleans, I think some of the events that people be most familiar with um, would be Tales of the Cocktail uh, every oh, summer you know, like the Super Bowl of liquor. It's a very apropos <laughs> New Orleans event. Um, we also do the New Orleans wine and food experience. We were slated to do Hogs for the Cause this past year. We were really excited for that one, but, you know, unfortunately that one got caught in the crossfire as well. Um, and then there's just kind of a handful of other ancillary events here and then around the country, which is where we're really excited. We've started to grow into more events that people have definitely heard of. Um, we've been at Bonnaroo, we've been at Lollapalooza, we've been at Austin City Limits. And these are in different formats or different capacities. Um, we're not necessarily providing the entire system yet for those events, but we've been working with them in, in smaller capacities that have grown throughout the year. So we're really excited to kind of keep that market growing once that comes back, especially. So, I mean, obviously events like we talked about and like everybody knows have been kind of put on pause and that it sounds like gave you some time to come up with something new. Um, but I, I wanted to, to look at, well, let's look at that first. Let's look at, so this Passport, what is, what is Passport? Passport is our access control system and it has a number of different uh, facets to it in different formats and depending on the event. But at the end of the day, Passport is our access control system, which really, you know, to think about it in the real world perspective is how do we determine where you can go at an event? Who can come in here? Who can't? And it sounds overly, you know, simplified that way, but there's a lot behind the scenes to, to really make that happen. Okay. So, and that was something you guys came up with during COVID. So Passport has really expanded since COVID. And I think that's what we get really excited to talk about. It's been, you know, behind the scenes, the system that we have used for a number of years. And, but over the past 
really nine months or 10 months, especially since the pandemic, we have expanded it substantially and added a number of new features to it that I think really set it apart and really separate it from the competition. And I think the biggest feature that we have added to it um, is the use of using your phone, your Apple phone or your Android device and using the native wallet that is built into your phone. So just like you've probably seen somebody using or you've used yourself, especially since the pandemic, uh, at Walgreens or Rouse's with Apple Pay or Google Pay, that same technology, but now being used for accessing or going into an event. So that's what I think is the most exciting part about it that we have really grown or expanded since the pandemic is using those Apple wallets and those Google wallets to really create a, a seamless, but also contactless experience for the consumer. So let's talk about Celebration of the Oaks, because I think, I mean, obviously <laughs> that, that event sold out and, um, you know, so a lot of people did experience it and did experience your technology and not knowing that they were, but, but how did that, how did they become a client and, and what were the challenges there and, and how did you meet them? So being from New Orleans, I think, you know, one of those things, everybody knows everybody. So there's, nobody's too far removed from each other, but what happened was when the pandemic first hit, City Park reached out to us because they knew of our work with Solomon Group and just the entire involvement with New Orleans. And this was back during April, right when everything kind of happened. And they had an idea for doing something that was socially distanced um, in the park during the summertime that unfortunately didn't pan out. But what it did was really got us introduced with them. And we had built an entire plan to, to do a really special event that just, again, unfortunately didn't happen, but they got, you know, I think we put the idea in their head that there was a lot of opportunity when they really had something that we would be able to do. So fast forward a little bit closer to Christmas, whenever we got to around, you know, August, September, they were thinking about how they were going to handle celebration in the Oaks. And I think that, you know, it, it's important to put in perspective that nobody really knew in, at the time how long it would be, and rightfully so, until things could be back. So what they were looking at was trying to figure out how to pull off Celebration in the Oaks. And, you know, Celebration in the Oaks, formerly Christmas in the Oaks, has been a famous event in New Orleans for 25 years now, or almost 35 years, actually, I think. And, you know, I, I grew up here, so I remember it very, very well. And what I think a lot of people remember about it, but don't realize is that it was a driving tour for 20 something years, but since Katrina, it hasn't been a driving tour. And reason being that when City Park flooded, you know, they really flooded, they lost everything that they had on the premise. It just sat in, you know, infinite amount of water for, for weeks. And so their entire, you know, people think, well, why couldn't they just buy new Christmas decorations? Well, it wasn't that. Their entire infrastructure, where all the power lines were, everything had been destroyed. And so it was such a challenge to kind of get all of that equipment back that it took them 
basically until now to accumulate again enough lights and enough displays that they had been doing it still only as the walking tour for the past 15 years. And the walking tour, obviously, it, it was also a huge success and really exciting, but they knew that couldn't happen. Um, I think that was obviously the most clear thing was that the walking tour couldn't happen because of the year. So it was like, well, we're back to the driving tour. And it was a really kind of perfect storm in, in, in some respects that what, what a time to, to bring back such a, a joyous and memorable event in that format, because I cannot tell you, you know, we were just receiving even the support emails and handling that portion of it. But the number of people that emailed us just to tell us their stories about how well they remembered it as a kid and how much fun they had or how excited they were to go through. It was really, really cool. And so that was when City Park came to us after previously talking to us and said, you know, we're doing the driving tour. What can we do, not just to make it special, but how do we make this happen? How do we get this many people and not just have this absolutely chaotic experience with you know traffic all the way down Wisner to to the lakefront Um, but how do we make sure that it's really smooth and really contactless and you know remove all the cash from being on site and just taking out as much of that touch process as possible and so that really just started a series of conversations that that turned into you know what you now know was the was the 2020 celebration the Oaks driving tour so, okay, so you had to take out the cash aspect and so people were paying online um, for stuff, like they're paying online for their tickets. Were, were you a part of that too? Yeah, so we did that entire system to process and manage everything from end to end, from the time that okay. you went on to the website um, to, to book your ticket. You picked your date, you pick your time, you add your upgrades, your add-ons, the donation. We built that entire interface as well as all of the payment processing that was behind it. So we, we processed over a million and a half dollars worth of fully contactless payments. There was not a single credit card or a single dollar of cash that was on site for the entire event. So we handled that process. And then once you arrived on site, or even starting the day of, um, you received messaging with mm-hmm. where to check in. And you got that text message probably with a picture of your QR code. That was something that we built because we knew that people always struggled to find them in their emails. So we brought that process into it. We brought in all of the scanners when you pulled into the tent and scanned your ticket. That was us. And then obviously, once you got to the naughty nice list, that was incorporated kind of in a sneaky way um by us as well well and i the the qr code i'm glad you mentioned it because i mean obviously everybody's been to a bunch of events you tend to buy your tickets so far in advance for things that when you go to pull them up on your email it takes a while to try and find where your ticket was and stuff so have that having that sent i think it was either the day of or the day before it was so great to just have it sitting there on my phone um and actually I was able to just send it over to my husband so he had it on his side of the car and it was it was great well so this is a a great segue if if we could for a few minutes to kind of tell you about how that happened because that was one of those features that we literally built 
within an hour or two hours, as crazy as that sounds. Oh um, and that's where Mindex comes in to play. And I'll tell you why we built that. So the first night that we opened up Celebration in the Oaks, we were out there as we always are for, you know, especially for the first few nights um, to make sure things are going smoothly. And we had that exact problem where people were pulling up and just didn't have their QR code ready and they couldn't find it in their email. And that night when the event ended, we got, you know, our developer, our CTO, Jonathan, um, got on his computer and using Mindex, we made a change. We built a new feature so that every day, the morning of, we would text just the people that were coming that night. And, and then, like you said, we took the picture of the QR code itself and directly sent that to their phone using another system and tie that together. And literally within one to two hours of the idea, we had it working and tested and rolled out for the next night. And I cannot tell you the difference overnight that that one feature made, just <laughs> seeing the amount of people, it was, it was, it was kind of spectacular. It I'm really not the was. only one. I'm not the only one who doesn't have my, my stuff together then. Yeah, no. And so we did it every day at 4 p.m., right? Or 4.30, right before your the check-in times, we would send them out to everybody. And then we even did another text that, I don't know if you realized you got, but as soon as you scanned your ticket, we sent another text that said, you know, welcome, yeah. tune your radio to 103.7. Yep. So we did the messaging. Uh, we actually even did the radio station. That was kind of how far we we Great got with group. that one. So yeah, we did the <laughs> we did the FM transmitter that was set up to broadcast all of the music throughout the route. So we we made that happen though, that feature. And, it, and it's so funny you brought that up because that was one of those things that having it so fast and being able to see that in action that quickly, like it was a game changer. If that would have taken another week, we would have been a week through chaos without that. And, and so having that flexibility really, really is an important part of the equation here. So did you guys do the Mardi Gras event there too then that operated basically the same yep. way? Okay. We did, yeah. So floats in the oaks. <laughs> that was a, another fun one, um, and even more, you know, more impressive potentially than than celebration in the oaks. Where talking about the kind of speed of Mendex comes into play, we were able to build the original celebration in the oaks system within about ten days, and then because of the similarity of it to floats in the oaks, it took us probably an additional two days. <laughs> to totally reconfigure and reset it up and change it up. And so that kind of speed also kind of just proves it there, even just setting up a whole nother million dollar style event only took us an additional couple of days because of that. Wow. All right. Well, okay. So we're talking about moving forward and everybody's excited about all these events coming back. What are, um, for the event organizers, what are some of the challenges and demands? I mean, you, you obviously have some of the ones that haven't changed. You have, you know, keeping track of capacity and you have doing a whole bunch of ticketing and you have like the QR code, which would be helpful. Um, mm -hmm. But it, we're coming into kind of a new era. We're already in a new era. Um, so because of COVID, what kind of new challenges and demands are, are, are these event organizers seeing and, and how are you guys going to help them with that? You know, I think that's a great question. And I think if I had the, the 
you know, the answer, the golden answer to that, I, I would be doing something else right now. <laughs> but um, I think what's going to be really interesting to see is that each event is going to kind of take it and manage that based on their own brand and their own experience. And I think that we'll see some events that find a different format, potentially even long-term. I think that there's some events that will continue to look different for, you know, a couple of years, even still with how much progress we've made, but it will still be a while until they get back to what they were kind of used to doing before the pandemic. I think until then, what our, what our role is and what we want to do is work with our individual customers and our different, um, events that we that we contract with and ask them what they're trying to, to implement and see how we can support that. So, you know, for the events that are going to have something that's more in person and need a more stringent, rigid way to really validate that a, you know, each person has been tested or been vaccinated or whatever that might be and make sure that that happens before they enter the event. Yeah, we're here to help them with that. If there's somebody like Celebration in the Oaks who, you know, I don't want to speak for them, but has found that the driving tour is really possible and could be successful. And, and maybe that's a new permanent format again for them. I think that we're there to support that. And, you know, I think that it just really depends on where our customers see themselves going. And I think that each customer is going to kind of take that in stride and, and evaluate their own circumstances. And, you know, we want to be there with our technology to help them implement whatever they decide so that they can move back to those different style events for them. So like events, festivals, stuff like that, are you looking for, like, is there a minimum size that you guys deal with? It's hard to say. I think it always, it always kind of varies. We would, I would say in general, um, we start as small as about 500 to a thousand people. And so, you know, when we talk about really high end events, for example, we did the NBA awards. We did the, um, the college football playoff championship game, the VIP areas. And so we do some circumstances like that where the profile is very high, but the number of people might be a little bit smaller. And then on the flip side, we work with, you know, 10,000, 25, even some cases, 50,000 people, obviously not as many of those right now, just given what's going on, but up to about that size for a variety of different services. And I think that, you know, our goal would be to continue to support events within those ranges, but also the ones that are even larger or even smaller per se, because we, that's one of the things we've worked really hard to do is try to make our products as efficient as possible so that we can get them to more people, even if they do have smaller events. So definitely something we're thinking about long-term. So how, how big is your group? When you're, I mean, you guys are getting an amazing amount of stuff done in a short period of time. <laughs> yeah, our team is consists of five, including myself. Um, we have two full-time software developers who work on honestly everything. And again, that's that's where Mindex comes into play for, for them. And then we have a hardware developer in-house who does all of our componentry and PCB boards and circuitry and really getting down to the to the hardware level of the, the technology. And then my business partner and our CTO, Jonathan, he really oversees 
all of their roles and also provides you know architecture and guidance and does much you know higher level planning and implementation for getting the infrastructure of our system up and running and, and making sure that it obviously always stays running. That's crazy. Um, well, so, so the name, so wristband, is that like, I know you talk about, there's a lot of talk about digital wallets and um, paying with things. Is that kind of a nod to that? Are we all going to be wearing wristbands or? I think that it's more a nod to what the idea of the wristband provides, which is it's an identity of who you are. And, you know, each person having a, a wristband physically might turn, like you said, more into having it to their digital wallet. But at the end of the day, we think about it as the concept that at, at an event, every person has their, you know, their own profile, their own user information. And you are not just a ticket type per se, but you are rather just like you'd be on Facebook or Instagram, like you have a profile and you have a credit card link to that and you have various tickets and different access levels. And so we really, you know, it's funny because people always ask us that they're like, well, isn't your name already outdated? And it's always funny because I say that we love wristbands. Obviously I'm looking at a wall right now of about 150 different <laughs> wristband types, but at the same time, we recognize that it's more of a concept that we'll expand into new technologies with. And for the events too. So like before we started recording, we were talking and I was telling you, I've been to Celebration in the Oaks and that, you know, the kids in the car were just like blown away that their name was on the, the, na the nice list, not the naughty <laughs> list. The kid, the adults are on the naughty list, but, oh, but, yes. <laughs> um, but you were able to jump over and, and really quickly look up, you know, oh, you went, okay, here's your name. Here's everybody that was in your car. You know, here's the names. So is that, how is that that would obviously help event organizers. So they have all that information stored. Like, is that is that a new thing? So yeah, it was very impressive that we were able to make that happen, not not as quickly well, as quickly as it did, but like you said, for the for the car to be pulling up and as quickly as you can almost blink, be able to have the name start to display on the screen there were so many, it was like such a domino effect behind the scenes of things that we had to link together and to keep that moving for all 175,000 people. So yeah. there is a very intricate web behind the scenes starting from when you got that QR code or actually starting when you bought your ticket. Um, when you bought your ticket, we asked to collect the names of the kids and the adults in the car for for Santa's information. And I think it's really funny that I think we got away with that a little bit more this year because of COVID that I think people thought that we were just asking that for contract tracing or other purposes. And that's true that we, we were collecting information to know who came, but we were really asking that for the naughty and nice list. And then we had to check in cars very, very quickly, obviously to get that many through. So we had to figure out how do we then link that list of names to that car when they check in so that we can put something you know, in their window that will be able to identify them? So whenever we scan the QR code, we gave a what looks like a credit card that we put into the window. And 
in a few seconds when we scan your ticket, we link your ticket to that card. And that, that card is very much like a toll tag. If you were driving down the highway and you know you have a toll tag, maybe not as much in Louisiana, but definitely in other states and it, and it beeps and you get charged for that, it's the same technology built into that card. And so then that was kind of dealing with the first two steps of the problem. And then once you got close to the screen, we had a reader that was hidden and set up in the trees that would read the closest card to it. And as soon as it would encounter the card, it would take that number, like you said, it would go to the internet, it would look it up, it would say, well, what are the names of the kids and the adults? It would take the right ones and then render it into Santa's handwriting and put it onto the screen literally within two seconds with of, of recognizing that that card was within its premise. And so what's really funny is we had to do a lot of logic behind the scenes that was 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 really was was really hilarious but but really intricate about how do we handle if there's too many names to fit on the nice list? Do we put them on the naughty list or do we make the <laughs> font smaller? And so we had this whole logic behind the scenes of handling how many people were in the car and what order we should show them in. And it was really funny to, to, to make that happen, but it was also really, it was really exciting. And I think one of the most fun things was standing out there, just listening to people in their cars drive by, just you know, laughing and pointing and just so shocked to see their names up there. But that opens up a whole idea of really customizing somebody's experience at an event. Absolutely. Yes. And I, and I think that's, that's kind of, you know, back to the illusion of that the wristband is not a ticket type, but the wristband is an identity of who you are. So it's linked to Kim, not to GA or general admission ticket Friday. And so by looking at the, you know, the user as a whole, we can do things like what we did for celebration in the Oaks. Wow. Well, that's really exciting. So, I mean, it's not that we're not already excited enough to get back into seeing other humans and, and seeing and hearing the music and, and doing the festivals, but um, to add a whole nother element to it uh, with all this technology and fun stuff coming down, it's, even more exciting. So that's awesome. Um, so as, okay, my last kind of thing, what, we're not yet known as a huge tech area, um, but I mean, something like Correct. this is obviously huge. What, what do you see? You're a member of the tech community here. Do we, are we, what do we need? Do we have the, the, the workforce that we need? Like what, what does the tech community look like here? Uh, I think that could be a whole nother episode, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a great question. And it's something that I have, I've thought about thoroughly for, for really years now. And I think there's no shortage of, of bright people in New Orleans. I think that's very, very clear. I think what, you know, the thing that I always kind of say to my friends and say to, to my family is that what I could see New Orleans needing is more there needs to be a tighter relationship here between the existing businesses, the ones that are larger, more founded, been operating for you know multiple years, and a partnership with those small startups like ourselves that are really trying to build something new and exciting. And the reason I say it like that is because 
there is no better testing ground and people to learn from when you're building any type of new product. And that doesn't necessarily mean just event technology, but really anything. I mean, there's so many incredible companies that are in New Orleans. Like, you know, my office is in Elmwood and Intralox is across the street from us. And just knowing what they do behind the scenes and stuff like that, I just see there's so much opportunity to get businesses that are well established and growing here more in connection with with relevant companies and startups who have ideas and and are looking for partners that are not jumping to conclusions about what your product does or doesn't do but are willing to help you learn what works and doesn't work and i think that idea village and other groups like that have done a really great job at starting that but i think that there's still a lot of room to grow. And I think that that's something that when I look at other cities and I look at, you know, even cities, Chattanooga, Tennessee and, and, and whatnot, that they've really figured out a lot of that piece and it has created something very special within their startup community that I have always felt is a little, still a bit lackluster here in New Orleans. That's good to know. That's, I mean, it's, you know, we, we want to keep the brain power here. We want to keep, you know, you obviously grew up here. And so hopefully you're, you're not going anywhere anytime soon, <laughs> but you know, but we want to pull people from outside and we want to um, give people career opportunities here too, and grow our own workforce and, and get them into to good paying jobs and careers. And um, so, so hopefully that's, that's in our future as well. Yeah, I agree. I think it certainly is. I think that there's some work to do to get there, but I, I think there's a lot of people working towards that. And so, you know, I hope to see that grow over the next few years. We don't have any intentions go to, to go anywhere. So no worries there. We're, we're both my partner and I are born and raised here. So we're going to be here indefinitely. Good. We need some more homegrown success stories. <laughs> it sounds like this is definitely going to be one of them. So well, thank you. Um, but yeah, no, basically, I really appreciate it. This, this has been super fun to talk about events and to talk, <laughs> to talk about what they're going to look like and um, and just the speed at, what you, at which you can customize things is, is really fun. Um, and you obviously have no shortage of potential clients in the area because that's what we love to do. <laughs> so that's yeah, great. No, that, that's right. Well, I appreciate, I appreciate you reaching out and taking the time to learn more about it. So, you know, we're not going to slow down on new products and releasing new stuff. So I think there'll be a lot more to come, especially over this year, you know, with just the, the sheer acceleration of timelines that I think is happening in the technology world, even in the event industry because of the pandemic where, you know, there's conversations that are happening that I don't think would have happened for another three to four, maybe even five years in some cases. And that's not necessarily just about wristband or wristbands products, but just the state of the industry as a whole, I think that there's just this massive acceleration right now more towards that looking for having these solutions to, to you know, to obviously get out of this situation, but also to you know, get ahead of the curve and, and, and come out of this in kind of a better time. And I think that one of the side effects of this, pandemic, especially for our industry, has been and people have had a lot more time to think and plan and 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 slow down. Whereas, you know, typically when everybody's just in mm-hmm. chaos and moving 24-7, there's never sometimes it's hard to ever think think more forward into the future. And I think that's what we've seen a lot of people doing right now is, you know, with this 
this time for, for thought and reflection, really figuring out what do these events look like? And it is now a good time to make that change because everything is so up in the air that it's kind of like, now's a good time to, to try something new, right? So I think we're gonna keep seeing that. And you know, obviously it's good news for us and we're excited to keep growing within that. So is there anybody that you can share that you're gonna be involved with in the future? So we've been working, we've just recently completed an agreement with one of the largest ticketing companies in the country called C-Tickets. Um, they are either the fourth or fifth largest provider for festivals and concerts and events across the country. And they have completed a deal with us that we will be providing our technology for all of their festivals and concerts and events moving forward. So we'll be rolling that out over the course of this year. So we've actually already got a festival lined up with them next month, believe it or not, in Texas, which oh, wow. is not surprising. Yeah. And so at the end of next month, they've got people, you know, over thousands, thousands of people sold at this point to show up to this event. So, wow. you know, there's, there's progress moving, whether it's not my, my opinion, not my place to make an opinion about how that's supposed to move or what speed, but, you know, they're moving forward. And so we're going to be there with them at, you know, probably over two dozen events this year alone. I'll be at most in the second half of the year later towards the end of summer and, and, and fall. But at the end of the day, I think that we'll see a, a pretty quick resurgence to the event world by the end of the year. And, and again, that's not everybody. That's not going to be the largest crowds that you've ever seen, but there will be substantial amount of live events back before the end of the year. And I think that the pent up demand for those is going to be going to be large. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. We're already looking at a fall that just looks insane right now. Um, <laughs> that is one way to, it is scary to me sometimes, but it, it, in a good way, there's a lot of stuff that's on our calendar oh, for, yeah. for the fall. So it's a good problem like to have. Um, okay. So how do people reach you? If they if, if we're, we've got some event people listening, um, how are they like, okay, I want to talk to these people. Um, how do, how do they reach you? <laughs> they go to our website. It's probably the easiest way of, from there they'll, they can call us or email us. So there's a chat bot on there. And so www.wristband.com. That's again, no vowels, W-R-S-T-B-N-D. And we'll get back to them very quickly. And I think that's, you know, those types of conversations we're excited to have with people who are starting to think about how to plan their events again and see how we can help, you know, it just sort of starts with a conversation and say hello and meet and, and, and see what we can do to help. Awesome. Super excited. Thanks for talking with me, Conway. Thank you, Cam. That was fun. Thanks for listening to another episode of Biz Talks. If you like what you hear each week, don't forget to rate us and leave a comment wherever you listen to your podcasts. And follow us on social media at Biz New Orleans. For more information or to contact us, please visit bizneworleans.com slash biztalks.